Revelation chapter 22 tonight, <clears throat> I want to share a thought that comes from three times in this particular chapter. So we'll look at them together. Revelation chapter 22, and um, <clears throat> church, let me, since we're going to jump into it, I, I'd like to go ahead and ask the blessing on the word for a second here. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the Bible. Man shall not live by bread alone. Thank you again as we read, we're eating. Lord, I ask you to please feed us tonight. Help us have an understanding of the chapter. And Lord, again, thank you that you are coming back again. And Lord, as he's saying about your first coming, Lord, as we look tonight at your second coming, may again we have that same joy in our heart of what took place the first time, even more so coming again. Now, Father, again, give us wisdom from only can come from you tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church family, the phrase I'm going to tell you right off the bat, the phrase I want you to look at is mentioned three times. It's in verse number seven. Also, it's mentioned in verse number 12 and then verse number 20. You already have seen it. Maybe it's underlined. I don't know. But in verse 7, the first phrase says, Behold, I come quickly. In verse number 12, and behold, I come quickly. And in verse number 20, last phrase, surely I come quickly. Now, that's a thought tonight that I want to deal with for just a few moments. But it, as, it, can I work my way there by, again, just talking about the book of Revelation for just a moment. <clears throat> uh, I want to say some things tonight that many of you have uh, been saved a long time. You already know. We might have some folks maybe haven't been saved a long time, or maybe you're new here. So I want to just, again, make sure you understand. The book of Revelation, uh, I have a Schofield Bible. The book, you know, Schofield put in there the revelation of St. John. It was not the revelation of St. John. And we know that from verse number one where it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation means to unveil. This book of Revelation is not about the Antichrist. It's not about the tribulation period. Those, those, though those things are in the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is an unveiling of Christ. And I'm talking about from beginning to end. And tonight, uh, we could take the time tonight, especially just reading through chapter number one, of the description of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, I want to tell you that the Bible, as a, somebody once said, the Bible as a whole is history. And dividing the word history, it's his story. It's a story of Jesus Christ from beginning to end, going from Genesis to Revelation. It's about Jesus, the Messiah. And by the way, not just about him coming and dying on the cross and us looking back of him coming. I'm just telling you everything about the scriptures is about God. And uh, that's why it's a God book and it's a God-given book. But Re book of Revelation, unveiling of Jesus Christ. As we walk through the book of Revelation and we see different things, uh, and not, I won't, Lord permitting, I won't go through every chapter tonight with you, but I, I will say that the groupings of chapters, chapter number one, introduction to the book, chapters two and three, again, I won't go through all of them, but chapter two and three, you have the seven churches of Asia Minor, and that's what we're living in right now. I believe with all my heart that church age and Again, many of you heard and studied and know, but can I just remind you that he is coming again. Amen. And we know that very, very clearly in chapters 2 and 3, the seven churches representing church members and churches and church age uh, and, and the idea of what churches are like in a general sense. Uh, and I think we are living in the Laodicean age. And uh, of course, I like chapter 4, when you get to verse number 1, 2, and 3, and the doors of heaven were open, and there was a shout given, and that shout was, come up hither. And we understand that the church is not found in chap after chapter number 4, in the tribulation you have, chapter 6 through verse chapter 18, you don't find the church. In, cha in fact, in chapters 2 and 3, the church is here on earth. In chapters 4 and 5, the church is in heaven. In chapter 6 through 18, the tribulation period, you're not going to find the church here on this earth. People that think that you know, we're going to go through the tribulation period. I still don't understand where they get that from. I mean, I think it's very, very clear in Scripture that we're going to get raptured out. All right? For again, we're not turning to all the passages, things that you already know. First Thessalonians 4, verse number 13 through verse number 18. Talk about the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. We're caught up meaning rapture. Caught up together with the Lord in the air. The Lord could come back tonight. And we ought, we ought to desire that, by the way. And tonight we'll allude to that. 
when you go through the book of Revelation, six times in the book of Revelation, just in that book, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, he said, I come quickly. Church, I mean, the word quickly has several different definitions, but means soon, suddenly, all righty? And that's what we talk about. And we understand the Lord could come back at any moment. We're living in the last days. We know that the signs of the times, rumors of wars, earthquakes, different people calling themselves Christ, all of the things that would line up to what needs to take place for the Lord to come back, they're already done. You know, Apostle Paul, he said in 1 Thessalonians that he was looking for the Lord to come back. And we think, man, alive, Apostle Paul, 1,500 years ago, what, 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 I mean, if he thought the Lord was coming back, how much farther away is it? And I'm just trying to remind us tonight that our going to heaven, our home going, is closer than it's ever been before. It's ever been before. Just, just, and I was teasing earlier about COVID, just COVID alone is in preparation. I believe Omar is in preparation for the Lord to take us home. You know, isn't it amazing? Americans have this air about them of being bold and no one's going to tell you what to do. And I want to tell you when COVID ha happened, they all did what they were told to do. They all did what they were told to do. And I want to tell you when the Antichrist comes on the scene, it's not going to be any wonder on how all of this is put together. And I think our eyes are more open to that than ever before because of the day that we're living in right now. But do you understand that, again, tonight, out of Revelation chapter 22, Jesus makes this statement, behold, I come quickly. And I want to look at those three statements because with each of those statements, Jesus tells us there's some things that you need to be thinking about because I come quickly. And because I come quickly, you need to think about these things. And they're mentioned with each one of them tonight. And we're just going to look at these that are in chapter number 22, though I think that we could look at other ones that are mentioned throughout the, um, throughout the book here. But Trishman, let's look at the first one together. And, and if, I can, if you don't mind, I want to work my way down because I think there's some other interesting things that I always, I'm intrigued by as far as what's going to happen in the future. Trishman, I know you're thinking about tomorrow, but can I just tell you, tomorrow could be forever. If the Lord comes back right now, it won't be a tomorrow. There'll be no more time as we know it. Time's done because we are going to be forever. There won't be a clock that we're going to be watching because it, there's no end to it. All right, now follow me for just a moment. In Revelation chapter, and I'm going to, again, I'm not going to backtrack too far, but Revelation chapter 19, you know your Bible. It's the second coming of Christ. The Bible says the army in heaven, that's us, are going to come back on white horses for the battle of Armageddon. I think the picture there is that the Antichrist is going to lead the armies of the world to go against Israel. And at that same moment, at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, Christ is going to come back and they're going to face those guns or whatever weapons they might have upon the Lord. And the Bible says he's going to destroy them with the word of his mouth at the battle of Armageddon. We will not have to fight. We'll, we get to watch this particular battle. Then the millennium uh, will begin. Uh, that thousand-year reign of Christ. And at the beginning of the millennium, Satan is, is bound for a thousand years and cast into a bottomless pit. The Antichrist and the false prophet are cast in the lake of fire. And so we are living and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. I think the parables go so hand, so hand in hand with that. Of the parable of the talents as the, uh, the householder was going to go away and he brought his three servants to him. He says, okay, I'm going to give you five talents. We give you two. I'm going to give you one. And when he returned, he said, what did you do with what I gave you? Again, a picture of the Lord's return and the judgment day is coming based upon what we do with what the Lord has given us. And so again, the thousand year reign of Christ and when that's over with, Satan is loose for a little season and I know it's hard to comprehend, but whoever's born during the millennium, 
They still have a choice whether or not they're going to believe Christ or not believe in Christ. And the Bible says that Satan will deceive the nations once more and he will gather an army as the sand of the sea. And that is hard to comprehend. But Satan is going to go against Christ in Jerusalem. And the Bible says when he comes against the beloved city that fire is going to come down from heaven and destroy all of those folks. And then there's when we have the great white throne judgment. Revelation number 20. Now follow me now. Revelation 19, second coming of Christ. Revelation 20, you have the beginning of the, you have the millennium. At the end of Revelation 20, you have the great white throne judgment. Revelation 20, verse number 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second hell. Death and hell. You ever wonder why God uses both terminology? I believe the reason he uses the word death is because he's referring to the, the battle of, I'm sorry, he's referring to the battle of Gog and Magog, all those that are killed with fire, death. And then hell, all those who are in hell are going to come together at the great white throne judgment. And the books, the Bible says, will be opened. But the book that they need to be in is the Lamb's Book of Life, and they're not going to be in that book. And God's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. They're going to be cast into a lake of fire forever at the battle of, I'm sorry, at the, at the great white throne judgment. And the Bible says that in Revelation chapter 21, a new heaven, new earth, in the description of that. But when you get to Revelation 22, I always look at chapter 22 as, okay, what are we going to do forever? Only two things that are mentioned in this particular chapter, they're right at the beginning if you look at your Bible, Revelation 22, the Bible says this. I'm going to pick it up for time's sake tonight. Verse number three, and there shall be no more curse. Hey, you ever thought about that? The reason there's no more curse is because there's no more sin. When did the curse come about? Because in the Garden of Eden, when man disobeyed God and sinned, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world. When that sin entered into the world, there was a curse. Curse upon man, you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. Curse upon woman, you're going to have pain during childbearing. Curse upon the earth, it's going to bring forth uh, briars and thorns and things of that sort. That was the curse. There'll be no more curse here. This is forever with God. Look what he says next here in verse number three. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it and his servants. All right, now, church family, two plus two equals four. Who are the servants? Is that us? That's us. What are the servants going to be doing according to that verse? All right, so what are we going to be doing forever? Well, first thing we're going to do, we're going to serve him forever, all right? He said, well, what are we going to be doing? I don't know, all right? We're going to be serving him. I know that much, all right? Look what else he says. <laughs> Again, for uh, time's sake, look at verse number five. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. And they, that's the servants, shall what? Reign forever and ever. Now, I, that's the only two things that I know of that the Bible says in Revelation 22, what we're going to do forever. And we're not talking about the millennium. We're talking about beyond the millennium, forever, we're going to live with Christ, and we're going to reign with, I'm sorry, we're going to serve Christ, and we're going to reign with Christ. That's what we're going to do. And I think, again, all that has to do with what we do for the Lord right now. Now, church family, I want to look at these three things next, and again, these phrases. With the Lord coming back, what should we be doing? What should we be thinking about? Look at verse number six. And he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. And, uh, and the Lord God of the, holy, of the holy prophet sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must, what? All right, so we obviously know that this is coming quickly. Look what he says next, all right? Verse number seven. Behold, I come quickly. Then he says, blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of, what's the last two words? All right, now, I want you to, I'm hoping you'll be able to see the parallel tonight. This first time he mentions in chapter 22, behold, I come quickly. He says, now listen, I'm coming back. I want you to keep the book. I'm coming back. I want you to understand what this prophecy is saying. Look what he says next here in verse number eight. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. And he saith unto me, 
the angel's talking to John. See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of, what's the next two words? This book. It's interesting that the angel said, I'm doing the same thing you're supposed to be doing. I'm keeping the sayings of this book. And church, tell me the idea here of the word keep when he says keep the book, it means to guard. It means to keep your eye up on it. Now, church, let me follow me now tonight. Three thoughts, three quick thoughts, really. Can I just remind us all tonight, the Lord's coming back. And as Jesus gets to Revelation chapter 22, when this is him speaking, he says, Behold, I come quickly. I come suddenly. I come shortly. It's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. It could happen tonight. The trump could, go, could, be, could blow. The shout could be given. Come up hither. <clears throat> the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive remain. There's some folks here tonight that might not really be saved. You've gone through the motions, you've heard the gospel, but you've never put your faith in Christ. It's not a matter of being a member of the church or being raised in a Christian family. It's your faith in Christ to believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that, we're all leaving, by the way. And you're not gonna get saved during the tribulation period. All those phony movies that are out there, these people that heard the gospel and they didn't get saved, and all of a sudden the rapture takes place and all they can think about is what their husband and wife told them all those years. That's not gonna happen. According to 1 Thessalonians, they're going to believe the, the lie from the Antichrist. They're not going to get saved. Can, can I just tell you tonight that because the Lord's coming back, behold, I come quickly, keep, keep it in front of you. Keep, the, talking about the book, this book, all right? Now, by the way, not just any book. It's interesting that he says this book in verse number 7. He says this book in verse number 9. He says this book in verse number 10. He says this book in verse number 18. He says this book in verse number 19. I, I just want you to understand that that... This thing of redundancy that you hear on a regular basis. Read your Bible. Have your devotions. Do you understand? The Lord's coming back. That's why you need to be in the book. Amen. The Lord's coming back. Hey, listen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Can I just tell you that your faith is increased and it helps you to be able to live this life and keep your mind and focus that he's coming again. Hey, listen. If I don't read my Bible and I don't go to church and hear the Word of God and I don't have any of the Word of God coming in, I could live my life any way I want to because there'd be no conviction of the Holy Spirit because there'd no be, no be power of the Word to remind me of my sin as well as my Savior. The book is all about Christ. So when I read in the book of Isaiah, I'm reading about Jesus Christ. When I read in the book of Matthew, I'm reading about Jesus Christ. When I read in the book of Ezekiel or Daniel, I'm reading about Jesus Christ. How do you know that? Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you understand that every time you read the Word of God, it's another reminder of, behold, I come quickly. Amen. Behold, I come quickly. What, what causes us or helps us not to be consumed with the temporal and to think, set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth? It's the book. It's the book. We as Christians need not to be only a carrier of the book, but we need to be a person who reads the book and studies the book and memorizes the book and meditates upon the book. You know why? Behold, I come quickly. Amen. Behold, I come quickly. The Lord could come back at any moment. That's why we should constantly be putting the Bible into our hearts and minds on a regular basis. Look what he says next now. Not only become, behold, I come quickly and how important the word is. Look at verse number 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his what? According as his work should be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his what? 
commandments. Jeremy, do you understand with the Lord coming back, not only should the word be prevalent in your life, your works should be prevalent in your life. You know, we don't do things so we can be patted on the back. We do things because we're saved, and what we do, we do for our Savior. A person doesn't run a book, bus route, teach a Sunday school class, <clears throat> become a deacon in a church, pastor. We don't do these things so that people can recognize us. We do these things because of who we love, because of who we serve. Can I, can I tell you, the, the reason, just show me, I know that there's secular work and there's spiritual work. All right? We do secular work so that we can make an income so that we can take care of our family. We do spiritual work so that we can please the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I know that many of you are working 40, 40 plus hours of week and to be able to do your secular work to provide for your family, but understand this one thing. What's going to be important at the judgment seat of Christ will not be the secular work. What will be important at the judgment seat of Christ will be the spiritual work. Amen. Why do we go out and knock on a door? Because it's a spiritual work. Why do we prepare for a Sunday school class? Because it's a spiritual work. Why do, why do we go out and uh, knock doors on Saturday or on a Thursday or this afternoon on a Wednesday? Why do people go out soul winning? Because it's a spiritual work. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to show you something here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look what the Bible says about the works that the Lord is going to judge at the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Look at verse number, uh, let's pick it up in verse number 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Now, there's six things that are mentioned there. Three are good, three are, I'm, I'm sorry, let me say it this way. There are three there, things there that do not burn up in the fire. There are three things there that do burn up in a fire. Verse number 12, gold, silver, and precious stones, you can put the flame to them, but those elements are still going to be there. Wood, hay, and stubble, you can burn that, and it's going to go up in smoke. Verse number 13, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day, that is the judgment seat of Christ's day, for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, church family, I don't know if it's going to be a literal fire, but I do know when you go to the book of Revelation, there are several attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ that it's with fire. Jesus is going to be able to speak or see or show all of the works that you did. Now listen, some of you tonight are tired tonight for good cause. The reason you're tired tonight is because you got up early this morning and many of you had your devotions and you went to work and some of you did not even get a chance to have supper tonight because you came straight to a church service. So there is just cause for you being tired tonight because of work. But you have to understand that when we get the judgment seat of Christ, God's not gonna say, well done, you hard worker, you. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, you. You're still there in 1 Corinthians. Let me show you something else here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 again. Look what he says in verse number 14. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon. Now, if you're going to abide, it's the gold, silver, and precious stones. He says, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a what? If any man's work shall be burned, that's wood, hay, and stubble, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved I always find this last phrase interesting. Yet so as by fire. All right, now what is he saying? I don't have to spend one second in hell. Yet so as by fire. I never have to experience of hell, and I'm going to make it to heaven, but I'm going to have no uh, gold, silver, or precious stones to show for it. And what is that? It's the spiritual work that we do. When I get to the last chapter of Revelation, and three times he says, behold, two times, behold, I come quickly, behold, I come quickly, and surely I come quickly. 
And all three times he's trying to remind us of something. He's saying, first of all, let me remind you how it's important for you to keep the book, to read the book, to keep it in front of you. When he says keep, it is guard, but it's also to keep in front of you. Why am I living this kind of life? Why am I raising my children this kind of way? Because of the book. He says, keep that book in front of you. Why? Because I'm coming back. Church, you listen to me tonight. I know you're tired tonight. Is it warm in here to you all? Are you all warm? All right, it's too late for me to do anything about it if you are, right? Hey, can I tell you why a person backslides in the Christian life? A person backslides in the Christian life because they get out of the Word of God. When a person gets out of church, we say to yourself, man, alive, I don't, can't believe they got out of church. Can I just promise you something? Before a person ever backslides to an extent of getting out of church, they backslid from their Bible. Every time. Every time. Because there's something about the power of the Word of God that does something into a person's life. You came out to church on a Wednesday night. Some of you might have came out because of duty. Some of you came out because of schedule. But some of you came out because you read your Bible this morning and the morning before and the morning before. And you have a walk with God and you are wanting the Lord to speak to you in a great way. And it's that book that keeps you right. Hey, behold, I come quickly. You know what the Lord's trying to say? You need to stay in the book because I'm coming back and you need to stay right with me so that when you face off with me, could be tonight, that you are right here so that you're right there. And when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, God, that fire, Jesus Christ, when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and he shows our works, some secular works, some spiritual work, the only thing that's going to abide the fire, eyes of Christ, the words of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, the only thing that's going to abide that is the spiritual work that you're doing. Listen, church family, there is nobody in here that keeps track of how often you go soul winning. There's nobody that keeps track on how often you influence somebody or disciple somebody or teach somebody. Nobody. But there is a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven. Hey, listen, I don't know about you, Some of you have been saved longer than I've been alive. But I want to tell you something. It's going to be really sad if you spend all your years serving God and you get to the end of your life and you just say, okay, it's now time for me to retire. You don't retire from spiritual work. You retire from secular work, but you do not retire from spiritual work. And your body cannot do all of those things that you did when you were younger. But you can still do spiritual work. Did either of you girls come out today? Were you out here today? Yes. In the print shop? What were you doing this today in the print shop? Giving Michael a hard time? You were doing devotional books? Coiling them or just putting them together? What was she doing? Punching them and coiling? What were you doing today? Coiling. Coiling. All right. Mrs. Compton, how old are you? 89. Man, alive. 89. You look 105. <laughs> 89. 89. Do I dare ask? You can. How old are you? 71. 71. She looks 71, don't worry. Thank you. She's been with me since I've, since I've been here. I mean, she's old enough to be my great, great, great grandmother, all right? <laughs> 71, 89. Now, listen, you teenagers look at me for a second. Get your little eyeballs up here. 89 years old, they got themselves out of bed this morning. And they came in so they could work in a, in a print shop and get zero money for it. Amen. To put daily devotionals together so that we could ship out so somebody could read their Bible through it on a regular basis this year. And some of you teenagers can't even come out to go soul winning. 
I'm not the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And some of you, it's like waters of a duck back because you don't care. And the reason you don't care because you're not in your Bible. Because if you were in your Bible and you were approved by the Holy Spirit of God, you would start making some change in your life and start growing up because your parents aren't the ones that have to make you go soul winning. You want to go soul winning because you're a Christian. 89 years old. 71 years old. Now, follow me, listen. As we get older, desire faileth, and we can't do as much as we, as we could before. But you need to have a spiritual work to where you're still doing something to influence. And by the way, you don't have to necessarily do it at a, at a designated time to still do spiritual work. I'm going a little step farther because I felt that was a little heavy a moment ago. Do you understand that when you read your Bible, that's a spiritual work? Do you understand, you senior saints, that when you spend time in prayer and you go through the prayer list on a regular basis and you pray for people in here, that they don't know you, but you know them because you pray for them. That's a spiritual work. Amen. Spiritual work. What I'm trying to say is tonight is the Lord's coming back. This is not a time for us to rest. This is not a time for us to say, okay, I'm done, or I put my time in, or I don't need to do that, or I used to do that. Hey, listen, you 20 and 30-year-olds, look at me for a second here. If you don't pick this mantle up, us 50 and 60-year-olds are going to be coming off the scene, and all you're going to have here is a non-denominational Sunday morning church service, and that's all you're going to have. Right. And you know better. Amen. You know better. You that you're in your 20s and 30s in here, you were raised in a good Christian home, and you had a mom and dad that sacrificed for you, and you understand the Word of God. I'm just trying to tell you something. This is not a time to be lazy. Do you understand that the Lord's coming back? And because the Lord's coming back, I've got to keep his word in front of me. Because the Lord's coming back, I've got to keep the works going, the spiritual works. Why? Because one day I'm going to stand before him, and I have to give an account for what he gave me, and what did I do with it? Amen. Occupy till I come means to, do, to trade with, to do business with. You've been given a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts. What are you doing with them? Do, do you ask the Lord, Lord, help me. To, if you don't know what spiritual gift is, you, I, think you should, I think a person should know. It's easier for you to be able to pray that direction if you know what your spiritual gift is. But you need to be using those gifts that God gave you because if you're like the person in the story, you're the person that puts your pound or talent in a napkin and put it in the thing in, in the grave or, i'm sorry in the in the earth and when the when the master came back picture the judgment seat of christ i knew you were an austere man i feared you i didn't want to lose what you gave me and god said take that away from that guy he should have been using it he should have invested it. he should have occupied with it he said take it away from him and then what did he say he said thou slothful servant lazy lazy Revelation 22, what is he talking about? He's talking about the first time he says, behold, I come quickly. He's talking about the word of God. The second time he says, behold, I come quickly. He's talking about the work of a Christian that we're going to be rewarded for according to our labor. Look at the last one in verse number 20. In verse number 20, he says this. He says, he which testifieth these things saith, surely I come quickly. Now look at the very next uh, phrase in verse number 20. Amen, even so come Lord Jesus. All right? Now, church, let me talk to me for a second here in verse number 20. Who is the one? Okay, hint, hint. Red letter edition Bible. Okay, now, okay, back to the question. Are you ready? Who is the one that said, surely I come quickly? Well, you guys are amazing. 
It's exactly right. But the next phrase, if you have a red, red letter edition Bible, is not in red. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. All right, now, in the literal sense of the book of Revelation, who is the one that said that? John. But church family, in the general sense, John is a picture of the believer every Christian ought to be saying, even so, come Lord Jesus. He said, I'm coming in a twinkling of an eye, suddenly. I'm coming soon. I'm, I, be ready. Be prepared. Now, church, can I just tell you, here's, uh, this is what I catch on these three statements. Behold, I come quickly, keep my sayings. Behold, I come quickly, I'll reward you according to your works. Behold, I come quickly, I'm sorry, surely I come quickly, even so come Lord Jesus. Now, I think the first one is talking about the word of God. I think the second one is talking about the works of God's people. I think the third one is talking about how we watch for his return. I, I, honestly, I can't remember the year, and I apologize, but a British explorer was up toward the South Pole. They didn't give a lot of detail, but a British explorer was up toward the South Pole. And when he got up to the South Pole, you guys know geography better than I do, but according to the story I read, he got up toward the South Pole. He had to drop off a portion of his um, men that were with him on an island. It actually called it Elephant Island. I don't know anything about Elephant Island, but dropped him off on Elephant Island. And he said, now listen, I'm going to have to pull out, but I'm coming back to pick you up. Now, he's on the South Pole. When he pulled out, ice glaciers had surrounded that island to where he couldn't get to the island. From the story, I gathered it was days, and I, to be honest, I don't know if it was months, but I, I gathered it was at least days. <clears throat> and eventually, those glaciers moved, those icebergs moved. He told his fellows, he said, listen, I want that boat. We got to take the boat in there as quickly as we can. And he took the boat in, and when he got to the shoreline, all of his men were ready. They jumped on the boat, pulled back out, and all of a sudden, from the story I read, glaciers moved back in. It was almost as if it was a miracle of God that he's ever even been able to get back to the island that he had left. When they had gotten on, back on their way, the British explorer looked to the men and said, hey, you know, it's a good thing you guys had everything ready because we only had just a short amount of time. How come you were ready? And the, his men said this, you said you were coming back for us. That's why we were ready. John chapter 14, remember what Jesus said? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Hey, listen, I know it seems like you're living out years of your life, and you are, but you, you feel like you're living out years of your life. He hasn't come back yet. <laughs> I, I remember years ago, I couldn't figure that out, and somebody said, well, that's because a day to God is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like a day, I don't know for sure. I obviously, I do know that time is nothing to God. Time is everything to us. Just because of the shortness and brevity of life. But church, I want to tell you, we have to live in expectancy. Remember what Apostle Paul said in, I think, um, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 8, if I remember correctly? He said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 8, he said, hey, listen. <clears throat> he said, brethren, he said, the righteous judge has a crown prepared for me, the crown of righteousness, and not for me only, but for, the, for you also, and to all them that love is appearing. 
hey, can I just tell you the Lord's coming back and we have to be ever, ever mindful that he's coming back. I know you heard me say it again and again, but I can't separate the two. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy... That's the first part of the model prayer. The last part of the model prayer says, for thine is the kingdom and the, and the forever. Now, I, I know you've heard me say it, and I believe it. That we're supposed to pray the model prayer or the types or topics of the model prayer every day of our life because when the disciples in Luke chapter, I think 17, but when the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray, remember now, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. But in the book of Luke, a second time, separate from the Sermon on the Mount, the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray. And you know what Jesus said? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now follow me for a moment here. If my prayer time every day of my life is supposed to be, as Jesus said, after this manner pray ye. And that means every day of my life, I'm supposed to be conscious of the Lord coming back. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, God. Thank you for who you are and what you do. Thy kingdom come, may today be the day. Thy kingdom come. God, thank you for the rapture. Thank you for the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb, battle of Armageddon. Thank you for millennium, the millennium that we're going to be able to come back and live and reign with you. Lord, may today be the day. And then when I get done praying the model prayer, for thine is the kingdom, God, Thanks you come back today. Thank you that you could call us home right now. Trisha, we need to be watching. Hey, I know we didn't look at all the scriptures tonight, but I'm of the conclusion that we would not do some of the stuff that we're doing if we were more focused on. Right. Lord, come back right now. Amen. I had a girl in our church one time. And I don't know if we were in a service like this because I don't usually talk to people while I'm preaching. That was a joke. Okay. But, and it might have been a chapel service, but I talked to the girl. I said, hey, listen, Lord could come back tonight. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? And I could tell that girl, she just, she didn't agree. And I, I just walked over and I said, don't you want the Lord to come back? She said, no. This is in front of everybody. I said, why would you not want the Lord to come back? We're going to be in heaven, walk on streets of gold. Amen. Here's what she said. Because I want to get married first. <laughs> I said, well, after you get married, you'll be wishing for the Lord to come back. <laughs> Can I tell you, there is nothing in life that will be more special than being with Christ. Amen. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. That's what it is. Church, the Lord's coming back. Thank you for working all day and coming on a Wednesday night. You guys are special, special to me, obviously more special to the Lord. But I want to just tell you something. We have to live as if the Lord's coming back. And you know what, you know what it's all about? It's about keeping that book, keep it in front of you, reading on a regular basis, studying it. You, you know what it's about? Is working for the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Fellas, you're, some of you guys are a great example of character when it comes to work and taking care of your families. But when you get before Christ, you should be more than just an example of a hard worker for your family. You should be an example of a hard worker for the Lord. Amen. Lord's coming back. Right. We need to watch. Those guys that are stuck on that island, they were ready. And it's a good thing they were. According to the story, if that boat would have stayed any longer, those glaciers, those icebergs would have crushed that ship. 
they were able to get in and get out, and it's only because those guys were ready on the shoreline as soon as that boat docked. Amen. I want to tell you, are you ready tonight? Are you thinking about the Lord coming back? Are you excited about him coming back? Amen. I want to make this last statement, and I'm done, because this is how I think, okay? Do you remember the story of the Sadducees coming to Jesus, and they came up with this fictitious story yeah, this, this woman married a man, he died, and according to the Old Testament law, if your husband died, you had to marry their brother. How many's glad we don't do that Old Testament law? Amen. Wow. So she married this guy's brother, and then he died, and so she married the next brother. And in this fictitious story, there were seven brothers. She had all seven of them. And the Sadducees said to Jesus, which brother will she be married to in the resurrection? Jesus said, ye err, not knowing the scriptures. Church, man, I really believe when we get to heaven, though I can't wait to see my father, I can't wait to see my grandmother who's in heaven, it's not going to be about the one we think we love here. It's going to be about the one who loves us most. And I know there's some of you widows, widowers in here you know, I was, I was on the phone yesterday, I'm sorry, day before yesterday, with my insurance agent, and I've never met him. And uh, I called, and he answered the phone. I said, how are you doing? And he said, uh, I'm doing okay under the circumstances. I don't know him. I just said, I said, so what's wrong? He said, my wife died in thanks, at Thanksgiving. So it must have been last week, week before, I guess. He said, my wife died. He began to tell me, I said, well, tell me what happened. How old was she? What, what, what took place? She was 62 years old. It was a very sudden death as far as what took place. To be honest with you, I didn't understand what he was telling me, but it was very sudden. What was really amazing, though, is because the longer he talked to me, the more he really opened up. And he said, you know, I want to tell you, I really miss her, but I know I'm going to see her again. This is him speaking. I know I'm going to see her again. He says... I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. She was saved. I mean, she, he's telling me these things. And he says, man, I really miss her. He says, my two daughters are here right now putting her clothes together to take the Salvation Army. He says, it's been tough. But he says, I know I'm going to see her again. Trisha, can I just tell you something? I didn't, I didn't tell him what I'm telling you tonight. I love my wife. I love my children. I love you. But when we get to heaven... It won't be about us loving somebody Amen. except for him. Amen. Behold, I come quickly. He ought to be our mindset. He died for us and gave us eternal life. We ought to think about him. God, I want to live my life for you today. And forgive me for not doing it yesterday. Would you please guard these eyes and ears that what I put in would be pleasing to thee so that what comes out is pleasing to you? Behold, I come quickly. Keep the word. Behold, I come quickly. I'll reward you according to your works. Behold, I come quickly, or surely I come quickly. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Are you ready for him to come? It could be tonight. I hope it is. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight?